welcome listeners. My name's Les Thomas from Unpaved, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing somebody who's very well loved on Australian shores, somebody who's visited many times over uh, many tours, um, the one and only Joe Pug, who has just um, put out a reimagined version of Nation of Heat and uh, with full instrumentation. Um, it's a great listen and uh, it's a pleasure to join Joe today. Uh, welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me on. My great pleasure. And um, yeah, I- I've really been uh, enjoying hearing the the uh, treatments to each of these songs. Obviously, they made a really huge impression on people upon the um, original release. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that later. But can you give us a sense of um, how you wanted to approach um, the the arrangements and 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 the kind of musical setting for for these original songs? Yeah. So the original Nation of Heat was an album that I recorded uh, completely DIY. Um, this would have been fifteen years ago. So. Um, that was still kind of in the era where you needed a recording studio to get something done. Obviously, a lot of things have changed in the last 15 years, and you can do a lot with a MacBook and about $1,500 worth of audio equipment, but that wasn't the case 15 years ago. So I was sneaking into studios to get this done uh, after hours. It was very DIY, and the original album uh, was completely solo acoustic and almost in some ways... uh, I mean, to be blunt, it it sounded like a demo in some ways. Now, it ended up sounding like a demo that was very compelling Mm. to um, uh, many listeners because that was the album that kind of put me on the the map, allowed me to quit my job and, you know, go and and tour and make a living as a musician. But it still sounded like a demo uh, nonetheless, in in my personal opinion, as even as endearing as some of it might have been. It just kind of sounded raw and rough and unfinished in some ways. And it was sort of that unfinished quality that nagged at me for over a decade and Mm. made me want to come back and revisit it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, um, it sounds to me like you've uh, completely dodged any uh, use of acoustic guitar whatsoever. You've gone for really big drum and, and synth sounds as well. Um, and I think that those choices have added to the anthemic quality of a lot of the songs. Yeah. One thing that was very important to me was that this new album not be the original Nation of Heat plus a rig- rhythm section, basically. You know, like yeah. like Nation of Heat plus a bar band in the background. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, absolutely. I, I decided very early on, Whereas the first album was composed of entirely acoustic guitar for the instrumentation, I wanted it to be have no acoustic guitar on this particular album. So uh, there, there's none on there, and I don't know. I, I, I just really wanted to make some pretty aggressive choices. When I first announced the album, I got a lot of feedback from listeners um, who uh, they didn't want to hear it. Basically, like, like they were kind of upset that I had, I had chosen to revisit this and. Um, now, a couple of months later, I've gotten emails back from them. And now that they've actually heard it, uh, they understand a little bit more. They were worried that I was going to revisit it in exactly that type of way. The original 
plus a rhythm section. And uh, that's right. as, uh, as you know, cause you've heard the album now that's, that's not how it sounds. Yeah, definitely. Maybe there was also a bit of trepidation, Joe, because, you know, people hold uh, that EP very closely to their hearts. Um, you know, it's it's a really moving original uh, recording. I remember um, at the time the kind of buzz that was around your EP and, you know, having conversations with people about how, you know, intense and amazing it was. Um, regardless of, you know, maybe if you look back and say it, it wasn't perfect or whatever, it, it had um, so much poetry and such great performance in it. Yes, thank you. Um, you know, and I think that that, like I said, I do think there was something compelling about that original. Um, and, and what's ironic is as you get more seasoned at playing music and, and the longer you do it, the harder it is to kind of find that sort of um, genuine inspiration, you know what I mean? That kind of intuitive sense of doing something that's powerful, but then you also become better at your instrument. You become better at singing. And so, so there is this tension between kind of becoming proficient as a musician, but then also staying in this kind of beginner's mind um, inspired state, which, which is the opposite of that. And I, I think, any artist should be looking to exist in the middle of that push and pull as closely as they can. Yeah. And what I hear, um, you know, listening to your vocal, um, you know, it's like the intention, the, the themes, what you're saying is, um, you know, in the same spirit, but it's with um, the wisdom of age, perhaps. Yeah, I'm with, it's with the, the singing wisdom of, of singing in bars and theaters for 15 years, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I think there's just better, you become a better practitioner of, of your own voice. You can put more power and detail into it. Uh, you can really bring more nuance out of it. And um, I, I don't know, I, I just couldn't help myself. I had to come back and and try these songs. Uh, you, you know how everyone always jokes around. It's like, if you hit 45 years old, you're like, man, I, I wish knowing what I know, I know now, mm. like, I wish I could go back to 22 and, and live without, well, this is sort of like my artistic version of that. <laughs> it's like knowing what I know now, I, I would really like to go back and take a crack at, yeah. at these songs. And, and, and luckily they'd never been recorded in a full band type of way. So I had an opportunity to do so. And, not for nothing. Um, I've always been pretty dang independent. So I still own all my masters and all my publishing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I could have ended up in some business arrangements where it wouldn't have been legally possible for yeah. me to do this. But uh, since I was, I mean, I just couldn't help myself. Yeah. I think, you know, what also might be notable for those who aren't familiar with the story is that you, you had so much personally writing on um, what you were doing back in 2008, having left um, in the final year of uh, university studies and, um, you know, uh, leaving your hometown and, and it's what we call in Australia a massive punt, you know, that there was no guarantee of success. And you were also part of a pretty um, competitive 
th uh, thriving music scene that, as I understand it, helped to inspire the kind of music you're writing? Yeah, I, I left university. I ended up in, in Chicago where I only knew one person. Um, I, I crashed with him for a week or so. And then I found a room out of a, uh, what we call in America, local alt weeklies. It's like a, you know, it's a, a weekly, you know, newspaper that comes out that has kind of alternative content in it. I found a room I could crash in for 300 bucks a month. I found a job and I just started working during the day and playing basically open mics in, in Chicago for two or three years. And uh, that is how, I mean, it's looking back on it now. I mean, I've been doing this for a living for 15 years. I have, at this point, I have three kids and a mortgage that I support with music. You know what I mean? So it, it's crazy to me to look back at it and think that that's how it started. I didn't know anybody in the music business. I mm. just kind of gave it a shot at some open mics. And uh, a decade and a half later, here I am, you know, I'm not exactly independently wealthy over here, man. I'm not going to lie to you, but at the oh. same time, you know making a living, supporting a family and, and getting to make the, uh, the music and the art that, that I love. Yeah. Yeah. And another, you know, great, um, part of, you know, how I, I guess we came to know your name is, is the fact that, um, Steve Earl, um, handpicked you to, uh, head out on tour and, you know, like I can imagine somebody like Steve saying, you know, the, the, the promise, the passion in, in what you um, were doing, Joe, your, your direction, where you came from in sentiment. Uh, and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, you know, I can see you being kindred spirits, basically. Well, he's been a mentor to me for the last 15 years. I, I would certainly not be playing music and doing this professionally if it wasn't for Steve. And the longer that I'm in music business or whatever you want to call it, I realize actually how unusual and how unlikely it was for Steve to give me that opportunity because a lot of times when people are going to come on a tour or something like that, or you get some big opportunity. There's some reason. It's like, you know, the bigger artists, their agent is also booking this person and they want a favor or this person is on the come up and some, some big label wants to put them on the show. I was still working construction in Chicago when I got the word that I was going to go out with Steve for wow. six weeks in America. You know what I mean? Like I was still, I, I was still in my, like my Carhartt zip up at seven o'clock in the morning, cursing myself as I went out to my truck at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, to go pound nails. So he, <laughs> to, to say he, he plucked me out of obscurity would be too much. This is a line from a songwriter that I love uh, named, Slave Cleaves, he, he, he would say in this case, he, he plucked me from relative obscurity. Um, no, I'm sorry. He, he plucked me from total obscurity to relative obscurity. And that's a, <laughs> that's a big thing, you know, and, and something that I'm forever grateful for. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, what, what I guess strikes me listening back to, to the songs again, um, it, it, it just sounds to me like, this is a, a huge, pow powerful uh, kind of coming-of-age statement, um, but it's not earnest in any kind of off-putting way. It's totally, you know, you're in full sympathy, um, or I feel that way, with, with what you're singing. 
and you know you're living in this um this this uh nation as you put it with so many uh contradictions and 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 um challenges whatever word you want to choose um it's not like uh this uh, context that you're living in has any um got any less um complicated joe over the you know years since the release of this uh, initial ep no and maybe it has more so uh politically in america but i i think that uh I mean, to to a point that you just made that I hadn't even really considered, but that I think is correct. It there would have been there would be some things that I'd written when I was in my early twenties, and I think this would be the case for a lot of people who were creative at that age that you would sort of cringe at to a certain degree to have to reinterpret again when you're pushing forty years old. I'm thirty seven, thirty eight years old now. So, uh, but I, I didn't. I hadn't thought about this until you mentioned it, but I didn't. I didn't feel any amount of cringe uh like uh returning to this stuff and don't get me wrong there, there would have been plenty that i composed at that time that i would now feel cringe about but but these particular seven songs i um i i just felt like i was visiting with old friends but that i could kind of have a new new rapport with in a way yeah cool and yeah, it sounds like you, you, you've um, cultivated so many new musical friendships um, over time. And um, yeah, you, you've basically gathered in this amazing uh, circle of artists that can take things um, in, in, a, in a different direction, maybe add uh, flavors um, that, that can really... Uh, Bring, bring a different angle to your work. Well, what you're saying in a very polite way is that I called in every favor that anyone owed me any time for this album. I called everybody I knew. That's your said, interpretation, hey, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's the true one. And uh, But yes, no, that was, you know, the other thing of, of playing music for all this time is, is you make friends along the way. And, and lucky for me, I happened to, to make a lot of friends whose whose art I really love. And in particular, you have um, Carl Bromble from My Morning Jacket, plays guitar and pedal steel on the record, and he is uh, just full stop amazing. You obviously have Brandon Flowers from, from The Killers singing on Him 101, uh, who's been a big supporter of my tunes over the years and who, uh, you know, he, he wasn't even in the studio at the time when I asked him to do this. And he he went out of his way to get this done for me. This is a guy with, you know, four kids and, and a huge uh, a huge career of his own to manage and he went out of his way for me to to do it so um, the contributions were were really important artistically but then also on just like a personal level I was so touched that people took the time to uh, to contribute to the album in that way yeah amazing and um, I've been enjoying quite a lot of your uh, working songwriter po- podcasts. And what I find um, is an interesting aspect of um, who you are and where you come from is that you you have genuine curiosity about what other people are doing artistically. Yeah, uh, I don't, you know, I started the podcast five or six years ago, kind of on a lark. Basically, it was before I had kids, so I had a lot of time on my hands. (laughs) I was like, you know, 
Well, I'd like to hear what other people are up to. And I love this medium of podcasts. I, I listen to so many different podcasts. So I said, well, I'll dip my toe here. And then it has just kind of, um, it has kind of ballooned into a project that I, I wouldn't say competes with music in the amount of time that I uh, dedicate to it, but, but that is certainly in the ballpark. I, I spend a lot of time doing the podcast. It's uh, the working songwriters weekly now. And um, it, uh, it, it's a cool journey to go on just for the content and for the, for the stories and the insights that you can get from people. And uh, it's a cool journey to go on because it, it has been a very community building um, enterprise for me. Like it, anytime I go to a festival now, uh, so like a place where there's going to be a lot of artists playing together. Um, anytime I'm backstage and in a green room, uh, all the artists, they always want to come over and shoot the shit with me because they feel like they know me because it, this podcast is listened to a lot by uh, musicians yeah. and yeah. and it's been such a I, I couldn't i couldn't ask for anything better you know what i mean i, I love going to a place and feeling like i'm at home immediately because people are like hey joe what's going on and they, they just kind of jump into a conversation with me because they feel like they know me and, and that has to do i mean it sounds like you know you run a podcast as well and it's just a very intimate medium you have people speaking directly into your ear for hours on end. And so you really do, you do feel like a sense of kinship and, and a sense of actually knowing the host. And, and it's been a very, <laughs> it's just been very funny to be on the other side of that and have people feel like they know you. And, and uh, frankly, besides, you know, the 2% of the population who are complete psychopaths, uh, 98, <laughs> which is, you know, that's a real number there. Uh, you know, 98% of the people that I've met because of the show and, that I've wrapped with it's it's just been a joy to have them feel so familiar yeah and um would you say joe that you, you're basically better informed and equipped as a result of all of these amazing conversations you've had in for your own work i you know so that's what i would have thought when i started the podcast that i would get like a bunch of useful information for writing songs or, or maybe even conducting the way that my business is run. And it, it actually hasn't been that at all because it turns out that not only when it comes to songwriting and when it comes to having a career in the arts, not only is there more than one way to skin a cat, but there's only separate ways of skinning a cat. No one can skin a cat the same way when it comes to writing a song mm. or, or making a buck in the music business. So but all I've learned is that everyone has their own individual path to songs. Everyone has their own individual path to, to making a living. And uh, what I've actually taken away from it is much more the sense of um, uh, community. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, 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 that makes a lot of sense to me. And just coming back to your point about, you know, the power of con. Um, sorry, podcasts and verbal communication. Um, this is something that I'm really new to. Um, I've published a lot really? of text interviews and I just feel like when having a conversation with somebody like yourself, if I'm looking at it in black and white later on, um, so much of the expression is lost um, compared yes. to the recording. Um, so, yeah, I, I really it's feel like... Not only that. There's not only that a lot is lost, but also the person who's taking it in 
has to, um, they have to be paying attention to only that. Right. Whereas when, when you can take it in, it's an auditory thing via podcast. Um, people can take it in while they're driving. People can take it in while they're doing the dishes. People can take it in while they're at work, you know, driving a truck or, you know, working a forklift or whatever the hell they're doing. And I, I just feel like it intertwines itself. How often do you have a chance to actually like sit down and open a magazine and, and read a long form interview? Mm. I mean, unless it's like some massive artist you're really interested in, chances are you're not going to do it. And so I just feel like it's an excellent way to reach people because you meet, you meet the listener where they are, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and yeah. in their life and they, they can actually take it in. Yeah, I think people's um, consumption habits are, are different now. They're different in, um, you know, what they're choosing to listen to, how, how we, uh, you know, go to, um, yeah, listen to our favourite songs via streams and, and, and so forth. Um, how, have, how have those changes um, affected, uh, you know, the Joe Pug model um, of getting music out to the world now? Well, I used to be the biggest proponent on, of Spotify in the world, and now I'm somewhere in between. And I think that you, um, if, if you're just like any other business, uh, you have to have a diversity of sources of revenue. So like Spotify was great for me with like the original Nation of Heat album, because that album has just been kind of like grassroots streamed um, very heavily it's had like 20 million streams in the last 10 years mm. no playlists no nothing it's just like all people just seeking it out and mm. so that pays me very well and then with other albums that aren't as popular you basically you just make nothing off mm. i mean you don't make a, a significant amount so it's and then that undercuts your ability to sell like i sell a ton of vinyl um if people can just have it on spotify then that undercuts that so I'm kind of in between and I just feel like, well, you know what I like? I like having the revenue from selling all these other albums on vinyl. I like, you know, the original Asian of heat album that people like to listen to on Spotify, I like having that revenue as well. And you just have to, um, you just have to continue to be very light on your feet and very open to new possibilities for turning a buck because it's pretty much impossible to make a living over the course of time doing creative work. It's a mm. really weird thing. And yeah, some people are radio heads and, you know, some people are the killers and some people are the food fighters and, and they make gobs and gobs of money. But other than that, if you're a smaller shop, uh, you really, you really have to get creative to be able to do your art over time and, and continue to iterate it over and over again. Yes, certainly uh, in my um, circle of songwriting friends, um, the single uh, is taking over as the way of gaining any form of traction. Yes. Yeah. I, I, and I haven't gone that route yet, but, um, you know, I, I, I have to admit, you know, so it takes, I release all my own music. It's all independent. So for this latest album, you look at how much it takes to put it together. And I mean, not to get too in the weeds here, but it's like everything it costs to produce the album itself, which is, you know, in this case, seven songs. So less than a regular 
album. So that's kind of good. But then you have, you know, the manufacturing of the vinyl, which costs a lot of money, manufacturing of the CDs. Uh, you're paying all the designers to put the, the CD stuff together. You're paying the artists for the original artwork, uh, the visual artwork. You're then paying a publicist. You're paying a radio promoter. You're paying um, your different distributors around the world. And it's just very, 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 very expensive. Um, and then if the thing, the damn thing doesn't get get picked up for a playlist on Spotify, it's 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 maddening. And then you can see someone who's like, "Hey, man, <laughs> I I, uh, I press record on my MacBook in my dorm room, and uh, I banged out a song for two minutes and thirty seconds, and then I I uploaded it to Spotify via TuneCore, and now I have seven hundred and fifty thousand monthly listeners." You're like, "What the fuck?" You know? Yeah. Um, but at, at the same time, I've also been on the road with people who do it that way. And just because you have a lot of streams doesn't mean that people know who you are or know that you have a show in town. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Know that. So those people struggle. They're like, yeah, I get a nice monthly check from Spotify, but I don't have any other sources of revenue. If Spotify were to take me off a playlist tomorrow, I'd be screwed. So it's like a live by the sword, die by the sword thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I have considered trying to get lighter on my feet and started to just produce singles in, in the way that you're describing. But I do, I, I do think that there is something of value and not even just artistically, but even business-wise, there is something of value of like, Hey, every 18 months, boom, I have a new album now. Let's talk about it. Let's do some interviews. There's a theme to the album. Let's, uh, you know, let's try to get this out to radio, tell them what the focus track is. And I feel like listeners, um, listeners feel like there's something it's like the difference between have you ever bought a product on amazon and it's just like the first thing that comes up and you're like i have no idea who this company is selling this but they're they're just like the cheapest thing on amazon right now Mm. it's like that um versus well i want to buy this uh chair off amazon and this is a company that's been around for 75 years and Mm. yeah the the chair costs 15 percent more but I know with that company that I'm going to get something real. And I know if the chair is screwed up and I pick up a phone or send an email, that there's going to be another human being on the other side of the conversation is say, hey, we screwed up your order. We'll, we'll make you right. And I think music listeners can kind of feel that. Like, yeah, I, I think they, well, I think they yeah. can kind of feel. Yeah. yeah. If you don't mind me saying, I think you're in, in a musical tradition where – the album kind of reigns supreme and has for a very, very long time. Um, one of the difficulties, I guess, in releasing an album to streaming services now, like the time that we take to agonise over track order is often um, thrown out the window entirely just by how these streamers operate and um, the enjoyment of packaging and all of the rest of it just isn't there. And, you know, um, I, I suppose, yeah, we're coming from a roots music angle, um, yes. steeped in these album, album traditions, but still people, you know, are buying new cars without CD players um, and having very little choice really to, to find the newer music they want them to go on to streaming services and therefore yeah um listening out of order and listening to singles it's really tough because on the one hand you want to uh 
kind of like lead your audience to a place and say, no, nah, man, you know, listen to it like this. It was, the album was laid out like this. This is, this is something that you need to listen to in this way. And then on the other hand, I do, there is a part of me that feels like you need to, to meet listeners where they are. You have to go with the audience to a certain degree. So that's a push and pull type thing. And it, I think in some ways it would feel much cleaner to me if I, if I could just say, screw it. You know, the release to Spotify for this album is not happening for another 18 months. And if you want this album, you buy it on vinyl or you buy it from me digitally. And that's that. Uh, that might feel like psychologically satisfying in some way, but I don't know how many more people would actually buy the album because of that. And I do know that many, many, many people would not get to hear it at all. Because yeah, of that. so definitely. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Another kind of newer development um, in our world that you've taken up um, really successfully and professionally is um, live streaming shows. Um, yeah. You know, of course, in, in this uh, pandemic era, in your in, and it seems like you've put in a huge amount of effort to, um, you know, the best possible uh, quality uh, streaming. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, over COVID, as soon as COVID started, I just had this feeling it was going to last a long time. And 70% of my revenue at that time came from playing on the road. And, if, you know, like I mentioned before, I got a mortgage and three kids. So I was like, I'm in trouble here. Mm-hmm. So I immediately, I, I spent about three or four months researching the best way to stream. And, and obviously, there's not that many people streaming in the music world. And there's certainly like zero people streaming in the Roots music world. There was like none. Mm-hmm. So I ended up on all these different blogs and forums like, figuring out what like video game guys were using to like, stream with, oh, yeah. you know, and, and uh, because they have it all dialed in. And uh, I ended up after doing the research for, you know, three, four or five months, I, uh, I invested a fair amount of money into a big stream set. Um, it's not really necessary. I'm back on the road now, obviously. And there's all that, but it kept me, just via, it was a pay what you want. It was a free show and you, you would just kick into a PayPal or a Venmo account if you dug this show. And uh, just doing that allowed me to, my business, where I couldn't at all. Yeah, unfortunately, our line's dropping in and out a little bit, Joe. Um, hopefully, uh, uh, we'll be okay for the next... Um, couple of minutes. Um, do you have plans to um, present your um, fully orchestrated, uh, revisited Nation of Heat um, live? I do. We, we ran into some snags getting this tour uh, up for some reasons that are uh, a little too inside baseball to get into right now, but I should be announcing a slew of dates in 2023 very soon. Great. And um, we're, we're really hoping, Joe, that uh, at some future date you may be able to return to um, the, the, your Australian fans. Uh, well, uh, I, I will be there. The only question is when, but, but uh, we'll make sure there for sure. Fantastic. Well, um, I really appreciate the chat and uh, I'm wishing you all the best with your upcoming shows. Um, So, yeah, all of the best with this release and uh, look forward to seeing you when you next visit uh, Down Under. 
Thanks so much for supporting the music, and uh, I'll, I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Great. Take care, Joe. All the best. Bye.